Welcome back to Good Moms, Bad Choices. I'm Erica. And I'm Mila. And it's Wednesday. It's hump day, bitches. Another Wednesday. Remember when we used to put our show out on Mondays? No. Yeah. That, that never was a thing. Yes, it was. No, it's We not. moved our show date. No, the very first post we have, it says hump day. It was Monday. I'm going to scroll all the way back to the beginning okay. just to prove to you. I'm telling you that we moved it because we realized that it was not a good podcast day. I remember. I do not recall that. I remember always being hump day. Mm-mm. Do you remember when no, we No, we actually then started calling it hump day because like, oh, we're like, oh, this makes more sense. Do you remember when we were parental advisory, good moms, bad choices? That was dumb. <laughs> it was That long. was a lot of words. And we only we, did that because we the thick podcast had like... Remember Tabria's podcast? She had a like, she had like a, a like a, a line before the thick podcast. Uh, so we were like, this must how it must be standard. how it's supposed to be. And then we made that long ass email called Parental Advisory GMBC at Gmail <laughs> Please don't email that email, please. It's not going to get checked. <laughs> anyway, how are you, darling? I'm good. It's rainy in LA. It's been raining and raining and raining and I love it. Everyone's like freaking out. I mean, granted my roof isn't leaking. So, you know, that's, that's the blessing. I think a lot of people are freaking out because there's a lot of shit going on in their backyards and things, but I really like the rain. I feel like it's, um, a, like a, a renewal, a renewal and God knows LA needs to be washed, washed of its sins. I know just green. Yeah. We know we're dry as hell. I, I like it too. I've made every cold season um, recipe that I know. So far, I've made chili. I made matzo ball soup. <laughs> what? You, you Jewish woman? <laughs> Sometimes I like latkes too. Okay. After I'm after I've made mashed potatoes, I make latkes. This is some Valley Girl shit for it sure. It really is. <laughs> um, but no, I enjoy I enjoy it. Watching movies, making hot chocolate. My immediate like thing is like go to the supermarket. So I've gone to the supermarket like three times in the storm, but. The lights went out the other day. I was like, this is new for L.A. Okay. Oh, so it's very Costa Rica. I LA. know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I left the jungle to come back to the city jungle. What the fuck? I know. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. I'm good, though. I'm good. I'm feeling, um, I did meditation today, and I was really focusing on being, like, bringing in the joy today, because there's things in my life that are a little stressing me out a little bit, and I was like, no, bitch, not today, and not tomorrow, and yeah. not anymore. I like that, bringing in the joy. I feel like that's necessary because as an adult, you can wake up and immediately be with the stress. I know, it was. I checked my email and I was like... (sighs) I mean, there's a lot of things to worry about, but there's so much not to worry about. Yeah. Uh, Let's introduce our guest. I was going to go on a deep dive, but let's not keep our (laughs) wonderful guest waiting. Um, Welcome to the show again, our favorite wealth witch in the world, Loose warrior, the financial educator, author, and our friend. Welcome back, Loose. Thank you all so much for having me back. It's truly an honor to be here with you all. We love having you on our show. You are a fan favorite for sure. And I'm just so excited to have you. You know, this month we're we're in March, we typically focus on finances. So what better way? To focus on finances than with loose. And you have this new book out, The Wealth Warrior, Eight Steps for Communities of Color to Conquer the Stock Market, which, you know, can be really intimidating. I think people hear the word stock market and they're like, uh, not for me. I'll figure it out later. 
I know. And, and I love that it's like eight steps to heal your money, your money wounds and claim your abundance. Those are things we don't hear a lot, but I think they're so, it's like so necessary to even acknowledge you have money wounds to begin with, to even like start to claim your abundance. It's a whole like relearning and process. So I love that your book addresses all of the things. Yes. Thank you. It's been definitely a labor of love. Um, I think that my intention with this book is to make the stock market a lot less intimidating, something that's really important and that um, I think we should really pay attention to is that the top 10%, like the top wealthiest people own 89% of the shares in publicly traded companies. And a lot of the reason for that is because we don't have accessibility to resources that make sense to us um, that we can process. Like it is very intimidating. It's like speaking an entirely different language. And I've been studying it for such a long time. I've done my absolute best to simplify it. And I've seen so much money grow so effortlessly and easily via the stock market. And we are in such an important moment in time right now because we are in a down market and uh, shares are much more accessible right now because they are cheaper. And I think it's for those that are interested in the stock market, I think these types of resources are so important and we just don't have enough of them. I'm curious to know, I, I already know, but for those of you who are just kind of listening um, and tuning in and maybe have never been introduced to Luce, um, Luce, I'm, I would love for you to share really like your journey into stock market because I feel like people think that, you know, you have, you come in and you have to be like super knowledgeable and like maybe you come from finance or um, like these are things that, you know, you like grew up knowing. Or you took a college course and then you understood suddenly. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to start with this because I know we love witchy things and just like finding, connecting all the dots and destiny and all of that space. So I was, um, I want to say I was 17 years old and one of my high school teachers was taking a, a group of students, myself included, to New York. And I couldn't even afford the trip. My teacher fronted for me to go to New York on this trip. I had $20 and we were going to be there for approximately seven days. So $20 was supposed to like purchase food for me. Granted, there were some meals included. So from my perspective, I was like, I'll just wait until the next free meal comes throughout the trip. Um, and I, I went and I was so excited to be there. They uh, were taking us on all of these incredible tours. And one of the tours was to go uh, see Sally, Jesse, Raphael, or to go to the New York Stock Exchange. And I was like, I really want to go see Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Like, I want to know what the studio would look like, like that entire TV experience. And, um, I got chosen to go to the New York Stock Exchange, and I remember being so upset. And I'm walking into this enormous building that is extremely intimidating, and I remember walking in and just feeling the energy. It's extremely masculine, heavy. I remember not seeing any women around other than the students and the teachers, and we went to ring the bell in the morning. And I also remember very vividly understanding that something really important was taking place in this building 
that was impacting not only the United States, but whatever was happening was also rippling out into the entire world. Uh, mind you, at the time, I was not, not living with my parents. I was a teen mom. I had a three-year-old baby, maybe almost four at the time. I mean, I was... It was a moment for me to just be in the space coming from where I came from. And so I really feel like that moment almost gave me a glimpse or maybe foresight or planted a seed into what would eventually come in the future. I ended up uh, later landing, um, you know, a really big position at Netflix, big from my perspective, like coming from the hood, being a teen mom, all the things. And uh, I was only the second uh, Latina to be hired in the entire company. Mind you, we had already launched in all of Latin America, and they didn't feel the need for like Spanish speakers or anyone that understood that territory. So it was just like a big deal for me to be there just like as a person of color. And um, I was so nervous about the amount of money that I was making because it was the first time that I was making real money. I was working at a tech job in Beverly Hills. It was a, a big deal. And I remember just like praying for guidance on this money that was coming in. And simultaneously, I had this white colleague who would come to my desk and pester me about buying Netflix stock. And I was like, what the fuck with this guy? Like, you know, I was so intimidated by him and he would just like throw this stock market jargon. And I think he could tell like how I would shrink. Like, I can't have this conversation. Like, and we don't talk about the stock market. That's that's your world, bro. Not mine, you know? <laughs> and he was just so persistent. And I, looking back, I realized like that he was what I was praying for, really. Like, mm. that's what I was praying for. And he was so patient, showed me his portfolio, which I'd never seen like a million dollar portfolio like that another human owned, you know, and very transparent and started to explain like you're in tech. So you understand you have this unique perspective. You need to be taking advantage of this and investing into Netflix stock. So it took him about, I want to say, a solid six months to convince me. I finally started investing. I invested $200 a month. And after a year, I saw that money pretty much double itself in just one year. So I saw, you know, I, I mean, it, it grew exponentially. And I thought to myself, this is wild. I'm going to double my money instead of taking 200 a month. I'm going to take 400 a month, which was a pretty big expense for me at the time because the way I was calculating it in my head was like, this is like a car payment that I'm making into, into the stock. But I started to really become a student of market. Um, I wasn't tapping him for resources. I just read books and really to understand what it is that was taking place because the way money was growing so effortlessly and easy was something that I'd never experienced. I mean, I'm, I come from, uh, you know, immigrant parents that had three, four jobs just to sustain the household. So I computed, you know, you have to work really hard to make a lot of money. And what I understood and what the stock market taught me is that you really need to understand how to let go of money and invest it in order to make a lot of money. Working more does not equate making more money. So that's kind of how this journey started. I 
invested in and around a total of $9,000 and I watched those $9,000 turn into half a million. And I felt like I needed to share what I had learned, not be a gatekeeper and provide um, like digestible resources. So that's kind of... I mean, how I got here. I mean, that's that's so incredible that that a you start like to go to New York first of all, and and a have twenty dollars in your pocket. God say, yeah, no, sorry, not Jesse, sorry, Sally, Jesse, Raphael. It's not going to be this, but kind of give you a preview, like a foreshadowing, yeah, like into your future, and like obviously you didn't even have a concept of what was to come, and then the prayer, and not it's showing up differently, and then we always talk about that too, and like your prayers and your manifestations showing up, not exactly how you think they're going to show up, but if you like really listen and if you really have your eyes open, you'll you'll be able to catch them, and a lot of people don't like. Their prayers are answered and they don't even, they didn't even catch it. Um, but you said something about um, like letting go of money, like not having fear around letting go of money. And I think that that's really like, I think what for, for many people um, investing in the stock market and crypto and all these different things, that's the fear is like, it's like gambling. I mean, for me, even like when I Vegas is like not my thing. It's never been my thing. The idea of like giving my money away in hopes that I'm going to get it back. I mean, obviously, Vegas is a different type of gambling. Um, but even the stock market feels like a gamble, I think, for a lot of people where you feel like, is this a, is this really does this really work? How do I know like what to invest in or, you know, if I give a thousand dollars, like, is it just going to disappear? And, you know, feeling like my, does my whole life have to now be the stock market once I start investing? I'm going to have to check every, every day, all day. Like, how does that even work? Do I have to like be super invested in order to see my, my wealth grow? And like, when can I take it out? Can I take it out? Can I like not take it out for two years? Maybe I'll never get it. Or like, it's this, like this idea of this like fantasy, untangible world, because like literally I'm, I feel the same way about gambling. Like I'm not a Vegas bitch. I'm not going to go put some money down and hope like, no, not, I'm not putting my hard on money and then like hoping it triples. Mm. But like, I think the difference is it's like, that's a real gamble when this is an actual investment, but that they're both feel intangible in ways. Like you may you may feel it, you may not. And so it feels like super scary. And like, not even that, like, you know, Black History Month just passed. <laughs> but I took my daughter to, um, you know, she, she was, she's in a dance, a dance school, um, shout out to Heart Dance School. And they asked her to be in this Black History, Lessons in Black History, um, like performance while we were in Costa Rica. And I guess the portion of the part of, this is a long story, just okay. A portion of it is they they cover the Birmingham bombings and you know the little girls die like a, a, a lot of people died, so she calls me. She's like, I don't want to be in it because it's scary, and I'm like, Yeah, word, it is scary. And I remember learning about it. And you know, she's eight, and it's just like such because they're around the same age, the girls in the church, and it's just like this this such dark history and that like at some point you have to learn it and you're going to learn it. So we watched this entire like two hour dance, um, you know, performance and there's acting and they're singing and they cover like all the great, like all the great invent black inventors. And they cover like how we were stolen from Africa and, um, you know, midway through, I'm just realizing like, I mean, not realizing, but it's just a reminder, the amount of like complexities that it takes for us, for a lot of us to be here. And like when you're, when you're 
removed from your culture and your language and these and your safety and money is not even something that you can earn and you have no knowledge of it and there's none given to you and like the, your power is taken away there are so many there's so much energetic complexities that come with embracing finances even in this time even in the freedom so like a lot of the freedom and the ability to get to that place is your your mindset and the energy around it, you know? And it's just like historically when you're an immigrant or when you've had like generations and generations of um, just negative energy with finances and security, it is a very difficult concept to grasp and to understand. And you do say like someone comes to your desk and you're like, yeah, bro, that's all you, you know? Like that's what, that's mm-hmm. your thing. Like your, your dad, your daddy did that for you. But it's like just understanding that, this is also my right. And this is also something I can, I can understand and grasp the knowledge of instead of completely writing it off. You know, it's just like, historically, it's been something that we've been um, not included in. So it's easy to not include ourselves and just say, fuck it. You know, like this is the money that I put in the bank and not even go down the route. But like, luckily you had the insight and that pestering guy was like your blessing like hey bitch hey how about now you know and then you actually taking the advice and investing the money and like ending up with half a million dollars that's a huge like discovery it is it is and I think that I I want to be clear that I do think that the reason it's so easy to compare gambling to the stock market is because the lack of education that we have. So if you're just investing without really having a full understanding of the stock market, it is like a gamble. Uh, And it's two part because you may not fully understand the company that you're investing in, which makes it really scary. But also you do not know how you're going to react. One of my favorite um, types of investments or the reason why the stock market is my favorite type of investment is because I feel like it is a window into my money wounds. The market itself, if we look at the way it moves erratically, like up and down, that is just collective energy of the most wealthiest people in the world. Um, where the energy is 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 generating more money, losing money, generating money, losing money. It's almost a, it. It's not almost. It is a direct reflection of our emotions. Um, so I find it really interesting for me when I was really exploring my money wounds and my personal money relationship. The reason I loved the stock market so much is because it felt like a control center where I was able to control my emotions, my money story and my narrative in real time versus some elusive abundant experience where I could see abundance if I saw a lot of food on the table. I could see abundance if I had a happy day. I I could see abundance in so many different ways, but I was never really getting to the root of abundance when it comes to money, like physical money and, and generating actual money in the form of abundance. And the stock market really allowed for me to do that. And so it's almost like I use it as a let's say you're trying to get spiritually healthy in all facets of your life. It's almost like the stock market for me is like my gym. That is where I go and work out my emotional money stories and my relationship in real time. And it has helped me tremendously. And I think to go back into the topic of being scared to let go of money, 
we constantly talk about wealthy people being very greedy. And I think what we fail to admit is that greed isn't something that just exists with wealthy people. Greed is something that affects every single person. It's like jealousy. You can't escape it, you know, just because like they're just because you don't have money, it doesn't mean you can't feel greedy, greed. Right. We 1000% mm-hmm. can feel greed. And so I think that's a, a really big misconception. And I think that to, to flip that, not being able to let go of money is a form of greed, even if that is to invest in yourself. You still feel like the money is better held in your hands and you're afraid to invest it in a summit. You're afraid to invest in a course. You're afraid to invest in a vacation. You're afraid to invest in whatever it is that's going to improve you in the future. It's still a form of of greed per se if you can't let it go. So it's such a layered topic, right? You, when you said what you think when I think about greed and I think about investing in yourself, I can't help but think about our like even our retreats that we do and how um, you know a lot of women are interested in coming to these retreats. We just did one in Costa Rica. We have one in Mexico in July, and the one of the biggest things that we hear is like, "Oh, I can't afford it," or "I'll go on the next one," or like, "I I just I just can't, I just can't," or "It's too expensive." Um, and granted, these are all real, real things, right? Like I, I, I'm not one to tell someone, you know, what their bank account looks like and what their capacity is for a trip like that. But what I do know is like when, when people do, when you do invest in yourself, like it comes back tenfold and I've seen it. I've seen it with these women that come and they say, you know what? I said, fuck it. And I spent the money and now I'm back home and I feel so much more valuable. I have so much more to offer. I got the raise that I've been waiting for. Now I'm ready and activated to do this or that. And that, that idea really manifest in all ways, whether it's investing in a trip, whether it's investing in the stock market, whether it's investing in, in yourself for that course, like, in order to evolve, in order to grow, in order to expand, in order to make more money, you have to be open to letting go. Well, there's this perception of like, like you said, like rich people are greedy or like if, if like if you've grown up and you don't have a, a, like an abundance of you're like you have a perception of what rich people are like. But the truth of the matter is, is like I even noticed like even growing up with like rich ass friends, it's like it's actually the energy of not worrying about if it's coming or going like, girl, spend it. Like, girl, you're tripping. Like, I'll leave that food there. You know, whereas like, I'm like, I'm taking it home <laughs> knowing damn well, I'm not going to eat it. You know, like I, like, I feel guilty leaving it because like someone could eat this food or, but like, it's actually the understanding that you let it go and that it easily flows back to you. It's like a constant flow, but our, a lot of times we've, we've labeled it or perceived it as this like negative thing that it almost feels for me, sometimes it almost, I almost feel guilty, like when I'm okay. You know, like, oh, my God, like somebody else is not okay, but I'm okay now. But you know what I mean? Like I'm working all this time to get to that point. And then you're like, you're or even you feel even weird being in the point of which you work to be in because you've perceived it a certain way. The other day I was watching a movie and I had this like brief thought and it was crazy. Like, I don't know, they're supposed to be in a rich place and like a rich home. And I was like, oh, yeah, they're rich. They have wallpaper. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, ooh, well, like, yeah, they're rich wallpaper. And so I, do we. <laughs> but then I was like, I was like, you could have wallpaper too. You do. You do have wallpaper. 
<laughs> but I was just thinking for that brief moment. I'm like, what are you thinking about? Why are you thinking this way? And I was like, you, I literally told myself like, you too can have wallpaper. But in my mind, I had written it off as this like very wealthy yeah. thing. Something that I recently started practicing that you just reminded me of is when I have those types of thoughts, when I'm like admiring, for example, let's just take the wallpaper thing, then I will be intent on like, where is it that I want wallpaper? What is it that I want to wallpaper? Where, where am I admiring abundance somewhere else that I can bring into my life to make me feel like rich like that, you know, when I walk into a room. So for my, um, my abundance board, my vision board, it's a compilation of little feelings that I've felt throughout the weeks that make me feel richer, that make me feel elevated, that I might not be thinking about had I not just experienced them, noted them down. And I'm making sure that I'm bringing those experiences into my space. I find it to be really helpful. Where do you want wallpaper in your home? I don't know. I was thinking like the bathroom. Okay. Like the powder room, but (laughs) it's so crazy how like subliminal and subconscious those little thoughts are until you like take a moment to like dissect them. Like what the fuck are you thinking about? But um, I feel like I've... Those moments have come up a lot recently just because I think uh, you can tell me if you can relate to this too. Luce is like, our book is about to come out, you know, and it's like a, a major accomplishment to be able to like be a published author. And, you know, like you, it's a tangible source of something you can see. It's black and white. It's like, it's yours. There's an expectation. There's possibly critics, you know, and like just to be, um, you know, like a, a see my dream come to a full manifestation and be in a new world, like a new literary world. It's like, Oh shit. Like I'm also, I'm proud, but I'm also like, do I, there's also that a part of me that has that, um, imposter syndrome, you know, like, do I belong here? And it's like, yeah, bitch you do because you're here. <laughs> and, and it's also like just knowing like there has to be such a special and specific combination of people to, for each of us to exist. You know, like two people, about two people around two people, amongst two people had to come perfectly together to make you, you know, like every, every story, like the fact, like how your mom got here and how your grandparents got here and like the particular like combinations and like worlds and energies that had to exist for us to be created for just for these, like these like I'm always really obsessed with stories, like the behind the scenes stories of how things come to be, because a lot of times it is so magical. And like you are have a foreshadowing when you have $20 for a week and you're at the stock market only for you to be here and literally publishing and writing this full, you know, this, this, your baby to the world about financial literacy. It's just like, they're so like, you had to really come into who you are and, and believe that you're that person in order to deliver this to the world. And you're just going to affect and change so many people's lives. And it's like the, the sooner that we understand that our voice and our gifts and our purpose is so particular and special and like there's no other combination of people that could produce these things it's like we would have spent so much less time worrying about you know if we're where we're supposed to be and if we're like worthy and you know it's a lot of like unlearning those things to um, be present and to like you know come be in the moment and really like 
walk in the door and be like, I'm that bitch. But it's just like a, a lot of programming and reprogramming that comes around accepting that you can have these things, you can have wallpaper, you can write a book, you know? So I think it's, it's such powerful work that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I have to parent myself constantly, you know, like sometimes I wake up freaking out in the middle of the night, like, I wrote a book about the stock market. Like, what if I'm wrong somewhere in there? What if some white man comes and reads my book and tears it apart? Like, I get, I constantly have to remind myself, like, this is my process. It is okay. Like, you know, but I feel like that part of it, I don't know if that will, I hope, honestly, I hope that never ends because it means that I am striving towards achieving things that are so big um, that I, perhaps never saw myself doing that I'm constantly having to remind myself, you belong, you're here. This is a new level of expansion, a new place you're reaching for. So, but yeah, a lot of parenting goes into it for sure. Yeah, there's definitely moments for sure. I mean, I, today, the joy, like I had to like take myself down and be like, it's okay. Everything's going to work out. I, I, for, for me with and we've talked about this on other episodes with you about like, you know, where your money wounds begin and you know, generally they begin in childhood and feeling like, oh my God, like at some point something happened where you began to fear money, you began to fear, um, like feel like this idea of like that it's, 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 it's not, it's always going to leave your hands or it's out of your control. And, you know, me and Mila, we've, we've had a lot of big accomplishments this year between, um, you know, putting out this book, you know, doing our fifth and sixth retreat in Costa Rica, um, opening up our podcast studio that we're sitting in right now, buying, we actually just bought land in Costa Rica. And these are all like really big investments, like the biggest investments, taking out a loan that we like fucked up. Like we took out a really bad loan and like now we're really having to like learn hard lessons about money. And, you know, some of these things have like triggered my money wounds of feeling like, oh my God, like, did I fuck myself? <laughs> or like, are, am, are we going to be okay? Are we going to go, bank, are we gonna go <laughs> bankrupt podcast? We're going to go back to the living room? Oh my God. Um, and so, you know, I've had to talk myself off bridges and, and, and ledges. And, and, and also, there's also this thing that I have also knowing that even though I, I'm still working on my money wounds, I know too in my life, and I think it's a, it is a testament to my mom and her acquiring a lot of wealth later on in my life and also me going to school with wealthy people that watching them spend their money, like, and seeing that, like, there was no fear there. And, um, for some reason with me in my life, like whenever I'm at my last dollar, something always comes through, something always comes through that. It's like, we're going to be okay. Okay. And, and, I just had to remember that even this morning when I was like, bitch, are you gonna be stressed out today? No, you're not. We're just gonna, we're just gonna talk some through some things and just like make sure, you know, me and Mila are on the same page about what we have to do and like figure it out from there. And also like money's on the way at like literally it's on the way. So just chill the fuck out, but like not spiraling out of control and just being like, girl, you're doing amazing. Like, look at all these things you've accomplished. You accomplished them because you've, you've acquired the thing that you've been so afraid of from the beginning. And you've been able to like do, make these purchases, invest and, you know, and people believe in your, and your dreams and your ideas. And you have to like really be 
um, stand, stand 10 toes down in that. And you, the fear will pop up. And you know what? You might make a bad investment in the stock market and it might fuck up. And, and that's okay because that's how you learn not to do it again. Just like this really terrible loan that me and Mila took out. Like I'm like, okay, well, I've learned my lesson. Like I really need to ask a lot more questions. I really need to send a lot more emails. I really need to like have a lawyer look through the contract before I fucking sign it. And not just trust the the, yeah. the, the invisible white man on the other end. <laughs> He is going to lie to you blatantly, straight face. He is going to lie to you, like straight up. Don't think that that nice man on the other line of the side of the phone is not going to straight up fucking lie to you because they do, and they will. Yeah, yeah. I think this goes back to what you were saying earlier in terms of you know, investing into going to Costa Rica and having a powerful experience and making the space for it. I think what we really need to understand and lean into practice is when we let go of money, we're also making space for more money to come in. The tighter we hold on to the money that we have, it's like, imagine your arms are full holding the money that you have instead of letting go, opening your arms and releasing money to flow out. And making the space for money to come in. I can't tell you how many times I've stepped out in just faith that something is going to happen with no money, with no backup. And every single time I do that, I am always rewarded with multiple, so much more money. Like it multiplies for me. And it's always incredible to witness. And also that the concept of, you know, you can you have all of the experience where money has flowed in and it has saved you and i think it's important for us to move into the space of it overflowing and not like meeting the end of the wire like instead knowing that the wire is continuous and it goes on forever and ever so no matter how much is spent it's always going to return literally the belief that money is um you know it's like it's like in a pizza pie versus it's infinite is such a disservice to ourselves because i think especially i know you all as entrepreneurs you understand that you you are the creators of money you picking up the microphone being the creators of money investing into land in costa rica and you know what that's going to return to you tenfold as you take more communities out there what that's going to bring how you're going to show up for community and like you get to say yeah i have investments in costa rica like how fucking dope is that how many of us get to say that and then we we get to hear you all say that you know it gives it makes it easier for us to be able to make those same type of moves so, yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. That's such a big, that's such a big step. Thank you. It's, it's inspiring. It felt really good. Thank it you. feels really good. Yeah. I was looking through your book and I do, I love how, um, how easy it is to really understand. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of books around money that feel really overwhelming. And there's a lot of words that you feel like you have to Google and then like, can I remember them? Do I know what they mean? And um, your book really breaks things down. And I don't want to say it's like stock market for dummies, because I know that book exists. And even that one, I think is a little confusing. Um, <laughs> but it's like, a it's like a real person's guide to understanding like from the beginning and you'd have this chapter where you talk about um like it's setting money intentions can you talk yeah. can you talk to us about what that means yeah i think it's 
For us, setting money intentions for me is to simply set a goal with money, an intention with money on what you want to um, invest in. So what's really important about the stock market is that it's time in the market. That's what's really going to make you wealthy. So like that's what has made Warren Buffett wealthy. It's not the selling um, of the securities. It's not the selling of the actual shares of the stock itself. It's spending time in the market. And so I always found for me, when I am making an investment, I set an intention for that investment. So for example, with the Netflix stock, um, I told myself that that investment was one day going to buy me a house, which is crazy because you think $7,000, when has that ever been able to buy anybody a house? But I set <laughs> this intention for myself and I had to see it through. And in the midst of it, I got laid off. In the midst of it, two weeks after I got laid off, my partner got laid off. Two weeks after that, we find out we're pregnant. We're moving into my sister's house. We're making all of these changes into our life. And the one thing I never did was sell the stock because the intention for that stock wasn't to save my ass in case, you know, we were trying for a child. What we didn't expect was to get laid off and to have the child happen at the same time. I didn't use that money to like save my ass there. I really kept the intention for it and I was truly rewarded. Like I was um, at the time because I was an entrepreneur and I was bringing in you know, not a significant amount of revenue in my business. I only qualified for a loan that was like $150,000, which limited me to where I could buy a home. You know, I, I moved out here to Texas for that reason. Um, but also I was able to pull $120,000 from, from the stock market to add to that loan and not limit myself to a certain area or constrict me in any way. I completed the intention for that money. So it's really important for me as I uh, as you move through the eight steps in the book that it's very relatable. It's very intentional. And also my story is interwoven throughout the entire book. So it doesn't feel heavy in that you're learning eight steps. Like you said, it is relatable, but my own personal um story is just mixed in there, which helps you take a brain break, understand my perspective, where I'm coming from in terms of money wounds, what I've had to overcome um, to get to this place to hopefully inspire others that they can also do the same and make these types of investments. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think it's really important is like, is the not is like the victimhood part and you have this part. I love it. It says, um, put a lid on the pobrecita yo and step out of victimhood and like basically put a lid on like poor me and step out of like, you know, that everything bad always happens to me or I'm not good with money or money is the root of all evil. And like you've said this before and I remember you talking about that. A lot of people think that money is the root of all evil because, you know, we see how capitalism, you know, is just, you know, you see how it works here in America, but it's really, it's a tool. And if you know how to use the tool, then it doesn't have to be evil. It actually work in your favor. It can work for you. It can work for your family. It's just you have to get out of this victimhood mentality and really address your money wounds to really be able to start reprogramming and rewiring your mind around this like, this concept of money. And um, yeah, and a lot of the times, sorry, no, go ahead, no, go ahead. A lot of the times, it's really hard for us to see our own victimhood, right? Like it's really hard for us to realize 
like, oh shit, I'm really behaving like a victim in this moment in time, especially when it comes to money. It's so challenging, which is why it's important to always have, I think, like a safe community, a partner, friendships, where you're able to call those things out with one another. Like, hey, you're behaving like a victim when it comes to this um, to this specific issue here. Because I was doing that, le- I was really good at owning my shit everywhere else. But for whatever reason, when it came to money, I really believed poor me. Like, I really, really believed that I was at a, a, a strong disadvantage. It wasn't until I understood that today in this day and age, our thoughts are currency. You know, when back in not that long ago, seashells were currency. But today in this day and age, our thoughts are what is currency. And I can tap into those thoughts and I can capitalize on those thoughts and at the same time improve and make better for my community. It's not just all about me. It's also about what I'm doing for my community, what I'm reflecting. Speaking about your community, I'm so I'm interested in, I mean, I know you're an educator and you teach a lot of people. Do you have any like success stories that you can share with us that maybe like, um, we're just really, you know, surprising or just really, um, just really impactful or really left a, a mark on you? Yeah. You know, one of the biggest things for me early on go, tying this back to victimhood is that I felt that everybody else had the same money story as me. So like, I felt sorry for myself in certain areas or I don't have money for this. I don't have money for that. And I would impose outside of me. Like they probably don't have money for that. They probably don't have money for this. Not even – I was basically just assuming that that because I'm broke from my perspective of this space that so is everyone else in my community. And I've really had to work through that because that's what has stopped – that's what stopped me early on on adequate pricing on any experiences that I was providing, whether it was live events or whether it was courses. Like I had to understand that – it's not me I'm selling to that. Yes, there is a lot of me that's coming out in this work, but I can't assume that everyone's in my financial situation. And so I think what has been the most eye opening is when I get to have one on one, which I do from time to time with our students and I get to see their portfolios and I'm looking at like $100,000 portfolios, $200,000 portfolios, or even just $30,000, $40,000, $50,000. And they started investing with me in 2020. And I'm like, dang, like you're really out here doing, like you've taken everything I've said and you really are out here applying it. And it's that to me blows my mind when they were like, before you, I didn't even have a portfolio and just getting to look at commas and zeros is like, this is real. Like, I know it's real, but I I think like, I know it's real because I see it in my life, but to get to see it reflected and to get to see our students have some incredible portfolios and then do boss shit, like sell a portion of the stock and go uh, purchase a house for an Airbnb. And I'm like, yes, like this is what I'm talking about. It's not just about investing in the stock market. It's about understanding that the stock market is accessible to us. I don't give a fuck what they say. Like it is accessible to us. There's a book here, eight steps on how to do it. That's one small component. It's important for us to diversify, also have real estate, 
you know, invest in other things as well, but make sure that we understand that we can play in this space and that it's, it may feel hard, but it's really not as hard as we make it out to be. We, we don't, we're not scared to drop a thousand dollars on an iPhone. You know, we're not scared as content creators. We're not scared to drop a thousand dollars on a microphone. You know what I mean? And it's that same thing. We're investing into these companies that are making so much money off of us already. It's just securing a part of their bag. That's all it is. It's not necessarily that you have to do anything that's risky. It's paying attention to what it is that you're consuming and what your business is dependent on. You know, if you take a payment plan payments through Square app, if you use Squarespace, if you use an iPhone, it's just really taking a look at all of the things that not just you are dependent on, but that you are very dependent on. And so is your community. It's just tapping into that company and taking a piece of their bag. It's so important for us to understand um, that space. And they've been dominating it for way too long. The amount of people that buy direct stock in the United States that isn't tied to their 401ks um, is only 15%. So out of all of the uh, Americans in the United States, only 15% own stock directly. And out of those 15%, 10%, the, the top 10% own all 89% of shares. So it's only the elite that are tapping into this. And it's not that they... They just understand, yo, everyone is dependent on Apple. It would make sense that if if the United States is depending on Apple, then perhaps this might be a company I should take a look at investing into. I think a lot of people think like, oh, it's too late for that. Oh, I'm too late to invest in Apple. I'm too late to invest in Netflix. Like, I don't even know, like... I think that that's also been my mindset too around it. Like, oh, I didn't get in early, so it doesn't, you know, I missed that. That ship has sailed, you know, and and what I'm hearing is it's not true. And I know, like, even from our previous conversations, and what, and what I think you're also saying here, too, is that you need to invest in what you know. Like, don't invest in shit you don't know shit about. Like, if you have an – if you're an iPhone user, hello. Like, if you use this, mm-hmm. what do you, what is it that adds value to your life? And, and, and invest in that. Don't invest in like random. I mean, I know cryptocurrency is a whole other, you know, um, ball game. And I even invested in crypto early and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing at all. Literally, my friend did it for me. She took my phone and (laughs) and did it. I was like, what is Ethereum? I have no idea what the fuck this is, but I'm investing. And, you know, I watched it grow and I still didn't know shit about it. And I also watched it totally leave. because yeah. I didn't know anything about it. I invested in something I know absolutely nothing about. And I didn't educate myself. And I just said, I just want, I want to get on the bandwagon before it's too late. And, you know, that was, that's my mistake. And I think that's the mistake of a lot of people. And then they get defeated. And they're like, okay, well, this isn't for me. I'm not going to do this. Yeah. And I think also like to take it back to missing the boat on something, I think it's important for us to understand a couple of things. The first is that Netflix is still a really young company. Like, let's look at big time companies 
in the stock market. We're talking Johnson and Johnson. We're talking Coca-Cola. We're talking McDonald's. How old are those companies? People are still continuously buying shares into those companies because they feel that we will still be addicted to Coke come 10, 15 years from now. We'll still be eating cheeseburgers at McDonald's. Like, you know, so compare the weight of that company to companies that are newer, like an Apple, like a um, Netflix. I mean, imagine if at 10 years of Walt Disney being a company, people were like, I can't invest in this anymore because I missed the boat. Um, we're looking at a really old company that is still extremely valuable and is promising into the future with their streaming service. They're always, there's always going to be innovations. I'm not saying to invest in any of those companies. I'm just using them as, um, you know, as just, just to, to show you how uh, they're actually really young companies. Netflix didn't even become profitable until 2021. That's how new it is. It's still reinvesting into itself. It's still figuring things out. So yeah, I think there's a real opportunity here. And, you know, I think also blockchain technology is incredible. Um, it's still really early though. We're looking at a new asset class. So what we're looking at is a new type of currency that is being built in our lifetime. The dollar bill existed long before us. So imagine this new currency. We're going, we should expect for it to come up and come down and come up and come down. We also had a really unique experience in 2020 with a pandemic where everything just kind of ran up really high. And now it's just giving back all of those gains, which is what took place with Ethereum and Bitcoin. But I think in the long run, we're going to see these types of investments like real winners. Not all of um, blockchain, not all of like, I'm just talking about Bitcoin and Ethereum specifically. I don't know about the other coins or anything like that, but I do think that that asset class is still really brand new, young, and it ha it still has a lot of potential for the future. Are there any <clears throat> companies that you would recommend investing in now? So I I can't like legally, like by law, I wouldn't be able to give any um, <laughs> tips on what to invest in. But I think what's really important for us to understand that's that is really hot right now, and it has been for a while, I've been into this for a while, is it's AI. It's artificial intelligence, understanding where artificial intelligence is going to take us. That was why I began investing in Tesla, you know, before because I didn't feel people saw Tesla as an electric company. I didn't see it as an electric company. I actually saw it as a artificial intelligence car. That's the way I looked at it. This way I continue to look at it. They still have the most data that they're retrieving from their AI, but I do think that's the future. And a lot of these companies are implementing AI um, technology. And so I kind of feel like AI is like going to be the new gold rush um, of our lifetime. That's going to be the next big thing. So I would say that if you're going to invest in anything, investigate whether that company is dabbling in, in artificial intelligence and what their plans are for that artificial intelligence. So scary. <laughs> 
so scary. That's the part <laughs> that shit scares me, and that's why I get so stay away from it too. You know, I know, and, and it's true. It's like I think people hear AI, or at least I do, and I'm I almost like want to reject it immediately. I, I think of like Will Smith and Robo- I Robot. Well, I think of like I think of the root of all evils, <laughs> and I think okay, well, okay, if I can look at money as as a as a tool, then I could look at AI as also a tool and not look at it as this like super scary thing that's going to like ruin society. Well, th- that's the thing about perspective too. Like even what Luz was just saying about, um, you know, like having, like assuming that like people are in the same financial situation as you too. It's like, um, like having a trouble pricing your, your merch or your, your, you know, the things that you have in business or like having this fear, like, or even if you've like scrolled through Instagram and you see like rich bitches and you're like, Oh fuck them. Like they have this or they have that. Like you make an assumption about them and the same way you're like, Oh, well, you know, my friend was struggling three years ago. She's probably still struggling. I don't want to talk too much about this or I don't want to make my candle super expensive or like, am I worth this price? But it's, it's like you, you have to change that shift that, that mentality and know that you're like every people there's more than enough for everyone and it's worth what you're selling it's worth what you're pricing it as and you're worth what you're doing and you worth like you know deserving of this amount this price point you know like it's so interesting how our minds shape the way that we like perceive things and accept them in our and you know in our personal lives true true yeah, true true Oh, Luz, before we leave, we have two things we have to address. A, I would love if you shared an affirmation with our audience. So this affirmation is tried and true for me. It is an affirmation that parents me. I'm I'm sure I've said it in the podcast before, but it is still the affirmation that holds me solid day in and day out. And it is, I am unlimited supply. It just... I, I can't let go of it. It's my daily affirmation. And it really just reminds me that I'm not dependent on money outside of me. I'm not dependent on what money is doing outside of me. I am solely dependent on my my intelligence in my head and how that sustains me and that sustains my family and it sustains my my community. I am unlimited supply. I am unlimited supply. I love that. And we also pulled a card at the top of the show. Well, actually, well, before the show. And uh, Lucy pulled the chariot card. Hmm, the chariot. It usually means control, willpower, success, action, determination. The chariot is a card of willpower, determination, and strength. You have discovered how to make decisions in alignment with your values with the lover's card, and now you are taking action on those decisions. When the chariot appears in a tarot reading, take it as a sign of encouragement. You have set your objectives and now channeling your inner power with a fierce dedication to bring them to fruition. When you apply discipline, commitment, and willpower to achieve your goals, you will succeed. Now isn't, the, now isn't the time to be passive in the hope that things will work out in your favor. Take focused action and stick to the course. No matter what challenges may come your way, because believe me, there will be challenges. You may be pulled in opposite directions and find your strength and conviction tested. Others may try to block you, distract you, or drag you down to pursue, drag you down the pursuit of your goal. But the chariot is an invitation to draw upon your willpower and home in on what's essential to you so you can push past the obstacles in your way hmm. willpower and focus oh yeah got you to be the wealth warrior so <laughs> seems on yes. point 
Yeah. And, and for those listening, like, yes, focus and willpower is, is what it takes really, I think, to be successful in all ways and, and to go down this, this road of, you know, feeling confident in the stock market or whatever it is that, you know, whatever avenue you're using in order to invite more abundance and cash flow into your life. So thank you. Yes. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The book comes out April 11th. I wanted to make sure I share that. And it's pre-order right now. You can get it at Target, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Um, Yeah. So definitely. Yes. And we'll make sure to put – if you click the link in this episode description, you can pre-order Luce's book today, Wealth Warrior, Eight Steps for Communities of Color to Conquer the Stock Market. Um. And where else can our people find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Lose Warrior and our uh, business Instagram where we give all the stock market news at In Loose We Trust. In Loose We Trust. And also Loose has has amazing courses. Make sure you check out her courses and tap into her community so that you can feel supported and know you're not alone in your journey into abundance and wealth. So. Thank you so much. Thank you, Luz, for joining us. Thank you for having me. And you guys know where to find us at goodmoms underscore bad choices on Instagram. Make sure you also click the link in this episode description to check out um, our next retreat. We're going to Mexico, Sayulita, Mexico. It's about an hour from Puerto Vallarta. And we're taking um, a group, two groups of amazing women out there. So if you want to invest in yourself also, make sure you check out um, at the Good Vibe Retreat on Instagram as well. Make sure you check out our merch. We're wearing it. If you're on YouTube right now, you can see I'm wearing our black as fuck, fine as fuck, mom as fuck, new long sleeve shirt. And Mila's actually wearing our our jersey. We have a really cool little tribe jersey. So check us out. Support black and brown women. And um, we love you. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.